Harvest New Beginnings Church is located in Oswego, Illinois. We exist for God's glory alone, encouraging each other to have a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. This message is brought to you by Pastor Scott Poling. Now I know some of you are wondering, what's in the bag, Pastor Scott? Lunch. No, it's not lunch. It's things that you are so familiar with in 2020, right? We got the old what? Hand sanitizer, sure. We put enough of this stuff on us this past year, huh? Wow. Uh, What else do we got? Oh, we've got the old thermometer, right? There we go. Let's see. 102. Okay, sounds great. No, no problem there. What, 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 oh, what, what else do we have? We have my all-time favorite mask. Ta-da, that's what we have. How's that look, guys? Isn't that just beautiful? Sure, whatever, Pastor Scott, right. Now, we, we're familiar with all of these things, and what are these things called? They're called PPEs, which stands for personal protective equipment and they have their place in our life right now you know physical things to help us you know just kind of stay safe and help others stay safe but what we're facing guys is beyond physical there is an enormous emotional toll being taken on people's lives right now what we're facing is beyond physical there's a massive spiritual toll that is happening in people's lives right now. See, I want you to understand, there's a virus on top of this virus, and the symptoms out there are hopelessness and frustration and worry and fear, and there's this overwhelming stress and strain to life. What we're facing is a virus of discouragement, and some of you listening at home and some of you right here, you've come down with this virus. Some of you have a full-blown case of it. You've been discouraged, and you've been discouraged for a very long, long time. Some of you, your Thanksgiving plans have been canceled. Additional lockdowns have come in place, and you're just depressed. Uh, Maybe you've lost your job, loss of income. Maybe the infighting in your family is taking its toll. Infighting with friends. But hey, at least we have two presidents, right? (laughs) What in the world is going on in this nation? We're just living in some really crazy times. And um, physical PPE can only do so much. I don't know about you, but I need spiritual PPE, personal protective equipment. I need to know how to make it through this life when I feel really, really down and really, really discouraged. And there are certain groups of people out there that are super spreaders. You get around them and they'll just bring you down. And the world is is a pandemic of this virus of discouragement. And there's a lot of people coming down with it. So so how are you gonna fight off this virus? How are you gonna stay healthy? That's what we're gonna learn today. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is one of the Apostle Paul's very first letters that he ever wrote. Some believe it's his very first. He wrote it to the church in Thessalonica, which is located in northern Greece. And these are new believers. And uh, he wrote to encourage them and comfort them and strengthen them in the faith. Why? Because they were going through severe persecution. It was a time of suffering. Some of them had lost homes for their faith. They'd lost jobs. 
they'd lost family and friends. They were being ostracized because they were followers of Christ. Some of them physically were tortured, beat up. And so Paul writes this very practical letter, and at the very end of the letter, he gives them some PPE. He says, hey, I want to encourage you guys. And so we see these words by Dr. Paul. He prescribes them for us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to look at three little verses today. Verse 16, 17, and 18. So what does Paul say? How to avoid this virus of discouragement? Verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Would you say those three things with me? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. And that's how we fight off this virus, this spiritual virus of discouragement. So the first PPE is this. Paul is saying, I want you to rediscover joy. And that's important for some of us here because we've lost it. The last eight months have taken its toll on you. Maybe this past week has put you over the edge. And honestly, joy just kind of feels like a distant friend that you no longer see. They no longer come by and visit. You're no longer close. Where has joy gone? Joy is very, very important for you and me. It's very important for our mental and our spiritual health. As a matter of fact, joy is a source of strength. Nehemiah would tell the grieving Israelites in chapter eight of that book, do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You need the joy of the Lord. It's your strength. Not only is it our strength, it's also good medicine. Solomon in all of his wisdom would tell us in Proverbs 17, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. I need my strength. I can't make it in this world without joy. I need my medicine. I can't make it in this world without joy. I have to fight off the virus of discouragement with joy. So I need to take my meds, and so do you. I have an old dog, his name is Scout. He's such a good boy. He's 12-year-old Weimariner, and uh, he's not doing too well. He's on medicine right now. He's on Rimadel and Carprofen, which are anti-inflammatories. He's got a nerve disease in his back legs, so he can barely walk. He doesn't, doesn't get around real well. Um, I made a mistake, I let his meds get too low, I don't know, a few weeks back, and uh, we ran out of the meds, and he could barely even walk. He just kinda hobbled around the house, and then we finally got the meds, they were ordered, and he was a new dog. He really, really was. Some of you watching, some of you here, you're running low on your meds you're running low on joy. Some of you have run out of joy. And you've been hobbling around spiritually. And you're not healthy. And you need to take your meds. You need to rejoice whether you feel like it or not. You need to understand that joy is your strength. You need to understand that joy is good for you. You've gotta have it. And Paul says this, rejoice. It's not a suggestion. It's a divinely inspired command whether you want to or not. 
Whether you feel like it or not, take your meds and rejoice and keep on rejoicing. Rejoice means to experience joy, to be made glad, to have delight, and at the highest degree. And he says, always, rejoice always, literally at all times be rejoicing. There is never a time I should not be rejoicing. There is never a time you should not be rejoicing. And Paul is telling this to these Christians. He's saying this, don't let your circumstances get the best of you. And some of us are letting our circumstances get the best of us. These guys were in Thessalonica. They're being persecuted, suffering for their faith, losing homes and jobs and friends and family and being ostracized. And it's easy to come down with a virus of discouragement in this sinful, fallen world. And we gotta fight it. And we need to rejoice. See, this is what Paul is teaching them and teaching us. Suffering and joy are not incompatible. Please understand that. Because some of us think they are. Suffering and joy are not incompatible. Internal joy is not dependent on my external circumstances. But some of us have been lying to ourselves. We've been telling ourselves, well, I, I can't be joyful because this is happening. What kind of garbage is that? And inner joy is not dependent on your external circumstances. Stop lying to yourself. Paul lived out this truth. He was under so much pressure and so much persecution and so much pain and he's whipped and he's shipwrecked and he, he's this, the bounty on his life. This is what he would say in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6.10. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing. He says, I'm living this out. You can do it. Didn't we just sing it? Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for what? For joy. When my heart is heavy, all my days, what? Yes, I will. I choose to praise. And if Paul was here, he would sing that out with all of his might because he lived it out and he wrote about it. You may say, well, how is this possible? Is this even possible? This seems impossible. It is impossible in my flesh. It is impossible for me to do apart from the Spirit of God. That's why in Galatians chapter five, we're told the fruit of the Spirit is what? Joy. So this can only come about by the Spirit of God in my life. So as I abide closely with the Lord, I can be joyful in all things. As I yield my life completely to him, I can be joyful in all things. As, as I'm filled with him and not my selfish self, I can rejoice always. See, when I lack an inner joy in my life, it's a sign that I'm not as close to God as I need to be that I'm not yielding my entire life to him, that I'm not abiding closely, truly with him, that I'm filled more with myself and my self-pity, that I am filled with God and his truth and a closeness to him. And so what we need to do is we need to ask the question, Lord, where am I not yielding to you? What is there in my life that's keeping me back from getting close to you?
what sin is there that I need to confess? What things do I need to change? Because if I'm gonna have an inner joy, I've gotta be as close to God as possible or it's not gonna happen. So not only is this only by the Spirit of God, it's only with a spiritual perspective. And that's why in five chapters, there's only five little chapters in the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul will pepper the chapters with eternal perspective. And he tells these guys, look at what you have. Look at who you are in Christ. Look at eternity. Look at heaven. And here we are groveling around in the dirt of our world. Well, woe is me. And this is so bad in my life and so bad in our country and so bad in the world. And Pick up your head. Remember who God is and what God has done. Remember where you're going. Eternal perspective, heavenly perspective, spiritual perspective is a must if we're gonna have joy in this life. As a matter of fact, these are some of the things that Paul would tell these Thessalonians, these believers, as well as us. You've been saved from a life of futility in chapter one. You no longer have a waste-filled life. You have a purpose and meaning because you're a child of God. He'll tell them, you've been rescued from the coming wrath of God. Judgment is coming. You won't be a part of it. You've been saved from the wrath of God. He says it three different times. You're of light, not darkness, no judgment, salvation, not wrath. You've been called into the kingdom of God and glory of God in chapter two. You are royalty. You've been called before the king of kings. You're his children. He talks about death and he says, oh, by the way, you're getting a resurrected body, chapter four. And your loved ones who have died, who are believers, don't grieve without hope. There's a resurrection coming. And then he'll say, and some believers won't even die. They'll be caught up to heaven as they are. I want to be among that group. How about you? Think about that. Forever present with the Lord, he mentions in chapter four. Forever present with the Lord. See, this life is so short. Paul's thinking, will you start looking at eternity? Stop worrying about this little short life? And then in every single chapter, five different times, five chapters, and the Lord is coming back, and the Lord is coming back, and the Lord is coming back, and he's coming back, and the Lord is coming back. You're gonna see Jesus. Please start reading the good news and turn off the evening news. And start getting a spiritual perspective on who your God is. Now, there's another way, not only by the Spirit of God and with a spiritual perspective, but only through a very deep trust can I rejoice always. I have to have a deep trust in the sovereignty of God and his love for me and his care for me and his complete control over everything in this life. That he's in charge and he's powerful and he's working his will. And we'll look more at that in our third PPE. But I do wanna say this, trust activates joy. A true sincere trust activates joy in my life. So much so that even when we receive bad news, we read in Psalm 112 verse seven this, this truth. He's not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, what? Trusting in the Lord. So even when you receive the worst possible news imaginable, your heart can be firm because you trust in the Lord. So the first way we fight off this spiritual virus is we've got to rediscover joy and rejoice always. The second PPE is we've got to reestablish prayer and pray, verse 17, without ceasing. So constant communication with my God is an absolute must. Now, 
you and I know prayer is important. We just forget how important. Jesus at one time would tell his disciples, his followers, a parable. He would tell them about a widow who was looking for legal protection and she just kept bugging and kept going back and kept talking to this judge. But he starts the parable off with these words. Luke chapter 18. At all times they ought to pray and not lose hope. At all times you need to be in prayer and not lose hope. See, I lose hope when I stop praying. You lose hope when you stop praying. He says, don't lose heart, don't lose hope. There are certain foods that are heart healthy. Leafy greens, berries, avocados, whole grains. I want you to understand prayer is heart healthy. Keeps you from losing heart. You know what prayer does for me? Prayer regulates me. See, if I'm not in prayer and you're not in prayer, we spike with fear and we dive with depression. We spike in anger. We dive with, the, with, with the discouragement. When we're in constant prayer with God, our heart rate and our heart is where it's supposed to be. So if you're spiking with, with worry and diving deep down with discouragement, it's a sure sign we're probably not praying near as much as we need to. We need to pray and pray. And he uses the word prayer here. The word that he uses is the most common word for prayer in the New Testament. It encompasses all kinds of prayer. It encompasses asking God for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. You need wisdom with your children, your marriage, your relationships, your job, your finances. Ask God. Talk to him. Ask for wisdom. It encompasses praise, spontaneous moments of blessing. You see a sunset, you see leaves changing color, you see some kind of something in God's creation. The birth of a child, a grandchild. Spontaneous moments, that's prayer. Lift up praise. Uh, intercession for the hurting. People that are struggling physically or going through trials, pray for them. Intercede, intercede for the lost, unsafe family and friends, those who don't know the Lord. Intercede for them. Intercede for this country. You know our country needs prayer. We're told in 2 Timothy, pray for our leaders, pray. Confession of sin, come before the Lord and confess any and all sin and let him forgive you. Ask for understanding of spiritual truths and growth of his word as you study, as you read. Cry out for help. Cry out for mercy in those depths of despair. Read through the Psalms and you see these incredible expressions of deep sorrow. They're praying. There's all kinds of ways to pray. Just lift it up to God. Spend time with him in prayer. Give everything over to him in prayer. That's what we learn in Philippians chapter four. There's nothing to worry about. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Why are you holding on to it? Scott, why are you holding on to your worry? Why are you holding on to your anxiety? Let it go. And what's the result of praying to God and giving it to him? Verse seven, pretty good trade-off, don't you think? Peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts, it's heart healthy, and your minds in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 5, 7 says it this way. 
Casting some of your anxiety. No, what's it say? Casting all of your anxiety. So what is worrying you right now? What is keeping you up at night right now? What is causing anxiety in your life right now? Give it to God. Because he cares for you. He loves you. And he can handle it. Pray. And he says pray and pray without ceasing. Well, what does that mean? It means walk around with your eyes closed and hands folded 24-7. No. What's it mean? Pray without ceasing, mumbling? No. What's it mean? It means practice the presence of God. Practice the presence of God. Pray without ceasing. Always be in conversation with your Lord. Keep a continual close relationship with your heavenly Father. We do this with our phones, with certain text groups we're in. Man, we're always getting texts. We're always texting people. People texting back and we're FaceTiming this person, emailing that person. We're always in constant communication with, with certain people in our lives and God is like, what about me? Would you talk to me all the time? Because I can do a whole lot more for you than those friends can. Yeah, I know those funny memes or something else, but God, God can do a whole lot more. Don't make prayer harder than what it is. It's, it's carrying on a conversation with the one who knows you best, who loves you most, who cares for every detail of your life and never leaves your side. That's what prayer is. It's carrying on a conversation with the one who loves you and knows you, cares for you, and never leaves you. See, prayer, prayer without ceasing, praying without ceasing is like breathing. It's just ongoing. It's just what it is. Uh, it, it's kind of like an oxygen tank to a scuba diver. Anybody ever scuba dive here? Anybody? Okay. Um, you've, you've all seen people who scuba dive, you know, and they have the oxygen tank on there. Listen, the oxygen tank enables them to breathe underwater. Prayer enables me to breathe under the pressures of this world. That's what prayer enables me to do. I can't live without prayer. I have to pray all the time, be in prayer. I can't make it in this world without prayer. And that's why some of us are gasping because we're not praying, because we're not breathing. Start breathing, start praying. Breathe. Pray, breathe, pray. It is the only way you will survive under the pressure of this world. Keep breathing, keep praying. So Paul says you're gonna fight this spiritual virus. You gotta rediscover joy, rejoice always. And you've got to reestablish prayer, pray without ceasing. And thirdly, you gotta remember gratitude. Remember gratitude. He gives us, we're gonna look at the full verse in verse 18. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Say the verse with me. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And there's no greater weekend than the weekend before Thanksgiving to remember this verse. So what we're gonna do with this verse is we're gonna put it under the microscope and we're just gonna dissect it and the details and take this whole verse apart so that you and I really understand what God means 
by gratitude, okay? This is the first thing it means. Give thanks in it, in it. That means in everything, give thanks. So right now, what are you in the middle of? Give thanks in it. The pressure you're in, the, the, the sorrow you're in, the relationship problems you're in. This is not giving thanks after it, after God answers prayer, after you get relief from it. You can give thanks then too, but he's saying you gotta give thanks in it. One of the best examples of this is Job. Job lost everything. Job lost just about everyone. He lost all 10 of his children in one day, killed. He lost all of his possessions in one day, stolen. He lost his reputation. He lost his respect, being slandered and mocked. He lost all of his friends who turned on him. And he would eventually lose his health. He would be covered in sore boils and take pieces of pottery and scratch them all over his body filled with pus, just scratching. Can I just tell you something? He would love to have your 2020. He would love to have your 2020. He would trade anything to have your 2020. You haven't lost all your children. You haven't lost all your possessions. You haven't lost all your friends. You haven't lost all your respect and reputation from slander. You haven't lost your health. He would love to have your 2020. This was his response, chapter one. After losing everything, he arose, he tore his robe, he shaved his head, he fell to the ground, and what did he do? He worshiped. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I shall return there. I was born with nothing, God. I will die with nothing. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away, say it with me, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's giving thanks in it. And through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. I saw this quote recently about Job. I don't know who to accredit it to. Satan thought he had taken everything from Job, but to Job, God was his everything. Satan thought he had taken everything from Job, but to Job, God was his everything. God needs to be your everything. Do you realize you are going to lose everything in this world? Please get that. You're going to lose your health. We all do as we get older. We're eventually going to die. You're going to lose friends. They're going to leave or move or die. You're going to lose your spouse. One of you is. You're going to lose your, all your possessions. You're not taking them with you. You're going to lose your job. I'm going to lose my job. I hope it's not by doing something stupid but I'm, I'm not gonna preach forever. I'm not gonna pastor forever. There's gonna be a time when I'm not gonna be able to do this. You're going to lose everything. You better hold tightly onto your God. And stop holding on tightly to the stuff of this world. Hold that stuff loosely. And hold on to your God. He needs to be your everything. 
And when he's your everything, you can give thanks for everything because you've lost nothing when you have God. For you who are listening and you don't know God as your savior, please hear this, you don't wanna lose your soul. You need to trust Jesus as your savior. You need to repent of your sin before it's too late. And you need to ask this God who loves you to save you and to forgive you, and he will. So call out to him even right now and ask him to be your savior. Give thanks in it. Give thanks, accept it. What does that mean? Well, he says in everything. So accept everything. Accept it. The good and the bad. Everything means everything. Maybe you've been to an all-inclusive resort. We have an all-inclusive life. Give thanks for everything in it. Not part of it, not most of it, everything. And everything means all the good things. And you say, well, that's not hard. Then start doing it. How often we forget to thank God for everything, all the good things. We take things for granted, like we deserve things, like their rights and privileges, like we've earned everything. Can I tell you what I deserve? As a sinner before a thrice holy God, I deserve his judgment. That's what I deserve as a sinner. I don't deserve anything in this life. We claim our rights and our privileges and everything else, what are we talking about? I deserve judgment and so do you before this holy God and he has saved us and forgiven us. That means every single good thing in my life, whether it's small good or whether it's big good, is bonus. Do you realize everything good in your life is bonus that you don't deserve? Everything good is bonus. James chapter 117, every good thing given, every perfect gift from above comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shifting shadow. So thank God. Every single day we should be thanking God. Thanking God for food and thanking God for breath and thanking God for his creation and thanking God for relationships and just continually, it should be all day long we should be thanking God because we don't deserve anything. Start thanking God all day long for all the good that you have and all the good that he's given. By the way, everything also means all the bad things. So what is causing you pain right now? Give thanks to God for it. What is keeping you awake at night, making you very anxious and worrying you? Give thanks to God for it. What is causing you great fear, filling you with fear? Give thanks to God for it. What is ripping your heart apart? Give thanks to God for it. You say, well, how is this possible? Do you remember what we saw on the first point? It's not possible apart from the Spirit of God. Only He can do this through us as we abide with Him and close to Him and yield to Him. And it's not possible apart from a spiritual perspective, understanding eternity and all of we have that we have. And it's also not apart from trusting His sovereignty that he is in complete control over everything at all times. Familiar verse helps us, Romans chapter eight. We know that God causes, how many things? All things. He causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, 
to those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. Let's look at this passage. God will cause it, whatever's bad. He superimposes his good will on bad circumstances and to work together for good. So whatever is bad actually becomes a means of good in my life. Whatever is bad in your life actually becomes a means of good in your life. Even if we don't see how. Even if we don't see it. Even if we don't feel it. He's a way maker. Even when we don't see it, he's working. Even when we don't feel it, he's working. He never stops, never stops what? working. He works all things together for our good. To those who love God, that's your responsibility and mine right there. You know what our focus needs to be? Just keep loving God. To love him with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength and all of our might. Just to love him. Just keep loving your God. And then he says, predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Ah, now this gets to what God is doing. What is he going to do with the bad things? What is he going to do with the pain? What is he going to do with these problems in my life? He's going to use them in your life and my life to make you more like Jesus. See, all pain in life is a tool in the hands of our heavenly father to make us more like Jesus. Sometimes pain is a hammer in my life and he's trying to pound something out of my life that shouldn't be there. Sometimes pain in our lives is a hammer that he's trying to pound something into our lives. He's saying, you need to get this truth because you haven't been getting it. Sometimes pain is a scalpel. With precision, he cuts some kind of sin, some habit out of our life. And maybe that pain is caused because of the consequences that came from a dumb decision. Sometimes pain is a chisel and he's shaping our lives. Maybe he's even changing the direction of our life through pain to make us more like Jesus. Maybe pain sometimes is a sander. I don't know about you, I got enough rough edges. We all do. And God is just smoothing them out helping us to be more like Jesus. There's always purpose in pain. James chapter one, verse two, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Trials means there's all kinds of problems in life that come our way, all kinds of pain that happens. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect, meaning mature, complete, lacking in nothing. Faith is being tested, the testing of your faith. How else does a teacher know if the student understands what they've taught except by giving the test? God says, please understand every amount of pain you face in this life is me giving you a test. I know you've read scripture. I know you've heard sermons. I know you've done Bible studies. It's time to test. Do you get who I am? Do you understand my promises? Do you see what I'm doing? Are you gonna trust me? 
See, some of you today, after this message, you're gonna get a pop quiz today. <gasps> God's gonna test you. Some of you already know the exam's coming next week or at the end of this week, something's, you, you know something's happening and it's gonna be a test. You know it's coming. Please understand pain is a test. It's a test of your faith. And what does it do? It produces this endurance, it takes us deep and it helps us go longer and depth of maturity so that we lack nothing, so that God becomes our everything. He wants to be your everything. So when pain happens, I need to start listening and I need to start watching and I need to start asking. God, what do you want me to learn from this? Not, oh, I can't believe this is happening, but no. God, what do you want me to learn from this? What are the lessons you're trying to teach me? How are you using this to make me more like Jesus? That's what we need to start asking. And that's why we can give thanks. Give thanks in it, accept it, give thanks, offer it. He says, give. So give your thanks, offer it to God freely, don't withhold it. Express your thanks to the Father who saved you, the Son who redeemed you, the Spirit who convicted and sealed you. And by the way, that's exactly what baptism is. If you've not been baptized, it's an expression of thanks. Ephesians chapter one, to the Father who planned your salvation, to the Son who died on the cross to purchase your salvation, to the Spirit who sealed you until the day of salvation. So I wanna encourage you, if you've not been baptized, express your thanks to God. Uh, our next baptism is next Saturday, 5.30 um, at, at night, just a, thank, just a Thanksgiving baptismal service. And you can sign up at atharvest.church slash events if you're ready to express your thanks to God for what he's done. What else do we learn? Give thanks means define it. Well, what does thanks mean? It's an expression of gratitude. It's an acknowledgement of goodness. That's what it means. God is good. It's the opposite of complaining and whining and criticizing and grumbling. That's why we're told in Philippians 2, do all things without grumbling, disputing. Why? So that you'll prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. We live in a crooked and perverse world. And he's saying, when you don't complain like the world does, you stand out like a star, you shine. So stop complaining in this life and stop acting like this world and start giving thanks and God gives us a testimony as Christians like nothing else. Because all the world does is complain about everything. And when you don't, you show that you're a true child of God. In it, accept it, offer it, define it, give thanks, know it. Know what? For this is God's will. Know this is the will of God. Everybody wants to know the will of God. What's God's will? What's God's will? What's God's will? Can I tell you? Here it is. Give thanks in everything. You now know the will of God. You may say, well, that's not exactly what I wanted, Pastor Scott. I was hoping to know. Why would God reveal some other part of his will if you're not willing to do this part? Let's start with what we know to be the will of God. And let's really focus on giving thanks in everything. 
It's not just good advice. It's God's will. It's not just a a suggestion. It's God's will. Next, give thanks means personalize it. This is God's will for you. Not just the person sitting next to you. Not just the person sitting next to you at home or in the other room. This is God's will for you. So walk in God's will right now. Give thanks for the blessings. Give thanks for the burdens. Give thanks for the good news. Give thanks for the bad news. And recognize it. Give thanks, recognize it. Recognize what? In Christ Jesus. That he is our enablement and our pattern of giving thanks. He's our enablement. Because as believers in Christ, we can do this. I like these observations. The argument is not you must do it for God so wills, but knowing that it is God's will, you can do it. Also, God does not demand that which he does not give the power to perform. So we have enablement through the Savior. We also have the pattern. He says, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus. So, so we have this pattern to follow as we follow Jesus. We see Jesus doing these things. As a matter of fact, Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Imitate Jesus. Follow Jesus. So walk in him. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed. And guess what? Say it with me. Overflowing with gratitude. Think about the life of Jesus. The night in which he was to be betrayed, a kiss of deception, arrest, torture, whipping, mocking, spitting, punching, crucifixion. The night before all that takes place, our Lord takes bread and he takes the cup and he what? Gives thanks. And he gives us the example to follow. No matter what is happening in this life or soon to happen, give thanks. And this is how we fight off the spiritual virus of discouragement. Sam with me. Rediscover joy, reestablish prayer, remember gratitude. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. And in everything, give thanks. Let's pray. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. As believers in Jesus, would you do that right now? Would you just give thanks to the Lord? Give give thanks to him for the bad that is happening right now in your life. The things that are painful, because he's gonna use them. Give thanks right now for the good. What are the blessings you've gone through and experienced? Just give him thanks. Take a moment and rejoice. Talk to God about joy. Yielding your life to him. Being filled with the spirit. And not our self-pity. Talk to him about prayer. Carry on that conversation all day long. It is your oxygen for this pressure-filled world. Breathe, pray. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You may be here today and you've not come to faith. I want to encourage you to call on the Lord Jesus right now and let him save you. 
You're going to lose everything in this world. It's only a matter of time. Don't lose your soul. Let him save your soul. Let him forgive you of your sin. You may say, well, how do I do that? What do I say? Just call out with words like these. In the, in the sincerity of your heart, just call out, Lord Jesus, I need you. Would you please save me? Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Would you please forgive me of all of my sin? I repent of my sin. I turn away from my sin. And I turn to you. I turn to you because I can't save myself. Only you can save me. I place my faith in you alone. Please forgive me, I ask. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've been prompted by this message and are in need of a new beginning or would like more information about Harvest New Beginnings, visit at harvest.church.